Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by Assiniboia Livestock, for the most reliable and dependable way to market your livestock. Today, despite cooler wet weather, there's more talk of drought and the need for drought aid. Cattle groups are worried about water and feed supplies. They have a meeting with the Minister of Agriculture today, and we talk with the Minister of Agriculture about that meeting, about drought aid, and also, he was at a field day up in Clavette, and we'll talk about that too. Real Agriculture talks about grasshopper issues. Saskatchewan food banks get a big boost from Viterra, and we hear the impact of the drought on B.C. cattlemen. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call one 800 324-7778. And Mazank Fuels, your local branded Petro-Canada wholesaler for over 40 years. Fill up the tank, call Mazank, 306-721-6667. Provincial cattle groups will be meeting with Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt today to talk about additional measures to help livestock producers devastated by drought. The president of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association, Arnold Balicki, credits the provincial government for measures announced last week to make it easier to use poor crops as livestock feed and additional money to develop dugouts and wells. First, we need uh, access to feed supply. We need uh, good quality drinking water for our livestock. And then the second component is we need some money in our genes so that we can afford to buy the feed and, and do the water uh, works that's required. So... We need additional measures to get us through this. Um, and, and Minister Merritt is, is really on top of it, and he understands the predicament we're in. On Thursday, uh, myself at Executive and, I, and, uh, and some of our staff are meeting in person in Regina with him to uh, further update where we're at and, and possibly go through some solutions that we can go forward on. More things need to happen. Balicki says producers need more support. He adds there are a lot of crops that could be used as livestock feed. There's a lot of feed to be accessed up here. And we have people drive by and say, oh, you got a pretty nice crop. Yes, we do. It's knee high. It's green or kind of green. Uh, but if you, it's like driving by a forest and saying, well, that's a terrific forest, but it's not. If you get out and start looking at the trees individually, it's not that great. And that's how this crop is. You pull out plants, the root system is dead. The heads are filling, they're white, and there's the odd kernel in there. Most of it is chaff, so yeah, it's deceiving. It's not that great. Balicki was part of a Zoom conference held by the Canadian Cattlemen's Association yesterday. Producers from all four western provinces were on the call, and the stories were similar in all regions. Bob Lowe is the president of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. The main focus is trying to get support to maintain the cattle herd. That, that is our primary goal. 
we need to maintain the Canadian cattle herd in whatever it takes to do it. We're working with everybody that we can work with to try to come up with solutions to offer to the government that actually work to fit the problem. Balicki also says a plan will be needed so the meatpacking system can handle all of the animals going to market. I'm not saying we're looking at a set-aside program, but I, I think the industry and government and the packing houses need to come up with a plan to uh, be able to handle the number of animals that are going to come to slaughter. And uh, how they're going to do that, I'm not quite sure. And I, I'm hoping that would be a discussion we can have with Minister Merritt on Thursday. But uh, animal welfare will be an issue if producers completely run out of any type of feed source and they have to get these cattle to market and the, uh, the slaughter facilities do not have the capacity to slaughter them. The gravity of the situation was described by Tyler Fulton, the president of the Manitoba Beef Producers. He was asked about how big of herd reductions there could be in some parts of the prairies. I don't think it's out of the question at all uh, across whole regions uh, to be looking at uh, in excess of 50% of the herd lost. It's a staggering effect that will be felt in the countryside on these individual farms and in these communities. But uh, that's the reality right now. And we just can't solve the problem everywhere with uh, feed assistance uh, type of program, I don't think. Fulton says the worst areas in Manitoba are the Interlake and the Southwest. We'll hear about the drought conditions in B.C. and the impact in later in this broadcast. We have the Agriculture Minister coming up next. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch eaves troughs. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavesTroughs.ca and Farmtronics in Regina, your farm electronics specialists. From moisture testers to security cameras, keeping your farm running productively and efficiently since 1977. 380 Henderson Drive. Agriculture Minister David Merritt meets with farm leaders this afternoon to discuss the need for drought aid. He says the province has asked Ottawa to implement the agri-recovery program to provide government support for drought-stricken producers. He meets with farm leaders later this afternoon. Well, Jim, actually I want to you know, hear what they have to say. That's why we've uh, asked to have the call with the stakeholders, both from the livestock side and from the grain side as well. So and just to hear what their concerns are, I, you know, I'm pretty sure I know what they are. Obviously, we're seeing, uh, you know, drought in areas of the province like I've never seen before. Um, and I think, uh, you know, with our announcement that we made last week in, uh, you know, through crop insurance and raising the level of uh, write-offs from doubling on the cereal side from 5 to 10 bushel acre for grains and doubling for peas and doubling for barley and oats as well is an opportunity for some of the grain producers that are in crop insurance to look at that crop and say no it's you know it's below that threshold I'm going to write it off and feed you know and let somebody with the cattle side in to graze it or to bale it or silage it whatever the case may be that's where we looked at it I think the most important part right now is trying to get feed for livestock I've heard it even from my counterparts in Manitoba and Alberta as well, Jim. And I saw you were in a field yesterday where they were writing off a crop or turning it in for livestock. Yeah, actually, uh, I went out to the Johnstone farm uh, out at, in the corval Cadere area, and they're going to write off about 1,200 acres of their uh, Durham crop. They still think there's probably about 300 that they can salvage, you know, they'll be able to harvest. But we looked at it. Uh, obviously, it's in you know pretty rough shape. Some of it, they won't even be able to swath it. They're just going to electric fence it and graze it. 
so this was just an opportunity and uh, obviously they were very thankful that we raised the limit so that they could use that right off on that side to take it to zero and then salvage the feed they run a fair fair sized livestock operation as well so they definitely do need the feed what more can you offer producers well, you know, I think we've done an awful lot, Jim. I think we, you know, through the crop insurance side, that's going to come at a at a huge cost to the province. Through the farm and ranch water program and and raising the caps, uh, you know, that threshold to 150,000 for this year, of which the government is contributing on on the portion over the 50,000. The first 50 is cost shared 50/50. The portion over that is is government portion will be 70%, and the producer portion is 30. I think that's significant. We've also made the application to the federal government for agri, you know, for agri recovery to kick in. My understanding is they received our letter and know that that's the position we're in. Uh, my my understanding is my colleagues from Alberta, Manitoba, and Ontario are are doing the same thing, and we'll just look at what opportunities or what things we could do under agri recovery, which is uninsurable uh, programs that we could look at to help the uh, farmers and ranchers here in Saskatchewan. What are some of those options under agro-recovery? Well, I think it's really uninsurable. So there's there's probably a number of things, but one that comes to, to mind might work is if you got to electrify a fence to uh, for somebody, you know, around somebody's quarter section to put cattle on to graze because the crop is really unharvestable, so you, you, you put some cattle in it. Is it, uh, you know, whether piping, uh, pumping water, uh, you know, to fill dugouts, would that qualify? Even the even the portion maybe hauling water, I don't know. We'll have to look at what the government, you know, what the federal government would deem as uninsurable programs that we could look at to help the uh, farmers and ranchers really get through this time. You were also at a function up in Clovet at the, uh, I believe, university, uh, what is it, a field day? Yeah, it is. It's a, uh, they're doing a field day at the uh, Livestock Forage Center of Excellence. I brought opening remarks, listened to a panel discussion really around uh, the one this morning was on mental health in, in agriculture, obviously, and, uh, you know, the market side of livestock and, and in light of uh, the current situation we're in, and really on the research and the importance of research in that livestock sector as well. That's Agriculture Minister David Merritt. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com and Real Ag Radio. It is dry across the prairies, and we are seeing a growing issue with grasshoppers, which is today's topic on the Real Ag Update. It is time now for another Canola School episode. I recently had the opportunity to catch up with Lyle Jensen, who's an agronomist with AgroPlus. Lyle and I talk about grasshoppers. It has been a dry and windy and hot year across the prairies, and we all know that is something those grasshoppers really seem to enjoy. Lyle and I chat about grasshoppers specifically in canola. Now, you might think, you know, that it attacks your cereals and doesn't like your canola crop, but trust me, it 
does. So check out this video where we talk about what you need to know about grasshoppers in your canola and what sort of options you might have when it comes to controlling them. Yeah, so as we've basically been in drought conditions here with the heat, the grasshoppers have been pretty rapidly expanding their territory out of the ditches and some of the graze land here. Beside us is some graze land that's basically been burned off in the heat as well as been grazed. So now the grasshoppers are in the ditch. They've pretty much finished off a lot of the luscious grass in there and they're starting to move into the canola. And the canola is not really a preferred food source for the grasshoppers, but as you can see, they are fully capable of stripping it down. They've even taken a lot of the green off of the stem and chewed entire side branches off. And we basically, we came in here, we did spray a group 28 insecticide about seven days ago. And that is having an effect on the grasshoppers as they move into the field. It's basically just forming a barrier along the edge of the field. And it, it, it's a little bit more effective on crawling, jumping grasshoppers, the nymph stage, than it is on the adults. The adults can fly over that barrier. Basically, we just sprayed the outside headland with it. A group one or a three is a little bit faster of a result, especially over the ditches, if you can burn off most of the adults, but there's no meaningful residual. So if the grasshoppers are flushing, or in this case, coming off grazeland, it's not always the best option. Ecobrand is also another good option, one of the, the baits. So now if you're looking in your canola field and you are actually seeing, like you said, it's not their preferred source, but they will really decimate that canola. What, what can feeding really look like? The feeding will mostly be on the tender green parts of the plant. So right now at this stage of the canola, a lot of the feeding is on the leaves. But as those leaves start to drop off later on or young tender pods develop, they will go after those pods. And quite often in canola, what happens is those pods can be some of the last green on the plant. So later in the season when that graze land and the grassland is really burned off, the grasshoppers will move in and they'll strip the pods off the top of the plants. So can you talk about the different types of feeding? We have the migratory grasshopper and the two-stripe grasshopper, kind of the most prominent. The feeding does look a little different. Do you wanna to touch on that? Yeah, the two-stripe grasshopper typically will take long strips off of the pods. They'll feed in a line, whereas the migratory grasshopper will kind of just take a chunk. The end result is basically the same. It'll compromise pod integrity. And if they're hungry, they'll eat the seeds right out of the pod. So now when we're looking at making that consideration on spraying, what sort of thresholds are out there? The thresholds are gonna vary depending on the condition of your crop. You know, this canola might, you know, be maybe 30 bushels if we're lucky on dry land. So, I mean, threshold is basically going to be, like in this case, along the edge of the field, the damage is severe, it's worth spraying the headland. If it was the entire field situation, you'd probably be looking for seven to 10 grasshoppers per square meter. Okay, and are you sweeping for those or you're just looking within this, the square meter? I'm just looking within the square meter. I'm a pretty big guy. My steps are almost exactly one meter. So if I hold my hands out roughly three feet apart or a meter apart and take a step and I see five to seven grasshoppers jump between my arms, I know I'm at threshold. Okay, absolutely. And anything else you would like to recommend to producers if they are seeing those grasshoppers, even later on in the season, that it they, they can still cause issues in that adult stage? Yes, it is never too late. Even in cereals, when you're approaching ripening, quite often they can still take the heads off the plants a week before you're combining. So watch your thresholds.
This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. Infuse some energy into your next corporate event, customer meeting, or conference with Real Ag Radio, Canada's national agriculture radio show. Create a unique experience at your next event with host Sean Haney, broadcasting Real Ag Radio live on Sirius XM, featuring exciting guests, captivating interviews, and the latest news from the agriculture community. Contact advertising at realagriculture.com or call 587-787-1795 to book your on-location with Real Ag Radio today. Get out to an early start on weed control in next year's canola and lentil crop using Group 3 Edge Microactive from Gowan Canada this fall. Edge Microactive, maximize yields today and manage resistance for tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and Ranch Real Estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devon at 352-1866. And the Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today, cloudy, 60% chance of showers and risk of a thunderstorm. Widespread smoke, windies 20, gusting to 40. The high today, 23, the low, 17. Wednesday, Mainly cloudy, widespread smoke tomorrow, the high 26, the low 17. Thursday, sunny, the high 28, the low 13. Friday, sunny, the high 25, the low 13. Saturday, sunny, the high 25, the low 13. Sunday, sunny, the high 25, the low 14. Monday, sunny sky, the high 27. Normal high is 26, the normal low is 11. The sun rose at 5.10 this morning. It sets at 9 o'clock tonight. And around the province, the hot spot is Maple Creek at 24 degrees in the southwest corner. The cold spot up north, Buffalo Narrows at 15. Estevan is 22. Saskatoon and Swift Current, 20. Weyburn, 21. Yorkton is 20. Regina right now, light rain again. There's been the off and on small amounts of drizzle today in Regina. It's 19 degrees. That's 66 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the north-northeast at 19. Humidity is 90%. The barometer dropping 101.8. Fog and Moose Jaw, 19. Winds are from the east-northeast at 11. Once again, Regina, light rain and 19. That's 66 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. This portion of Saskatchewan agriculture today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com and brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. The food banks across Saskatchewan have received a boost from a fundraiser campaign matched by Viterra. Last month, Viterra matched any donation to a maximum of $100,000. The food banks raised $150,000, bringing last month's total to $250,000. The executive director of Food Banks of Saskatchewan, Lori O'Connor, says the funds will be distributed among the 36 food banks across the province. Well, it's been absolutely wonderful to see the response to Viterra's matching program. So they contributed $100,000 and then the entire province surrounded their um, local food banks with support and love and we've raised over $150,000 um, and counting really to tell you the truth. We, we, we know a, a number of food banks were really busy to not be able to get back to us. So we know that uh, $250,000 is just the beginning. 
How important is this for the food banks across Saskatchewan? You know, this is summer is a is a difficult time for food banks. We see families who might have been relying on school lunch programs definitely turning to us for help. And so this has allowed us to purchase really nutritious food to give out in our food bank hampers and of course to uh, to run the other programs that many food banks have. Is there rising demand this summer? You know, I think we're we're seeing folks sort of trying to come out of the crisis level pandemic and, you know, get back to work and those kinds of things, but we definitely are seeing more people through our doors across the province. I think, you know, rising cost of food climate, all those kinds of things are are probably going to keep us really busy for the next 12 to 24 months. And these funds for food will be distributed among, what, 36 food banks in the province? Yeah, absolutely. So once we have all the funds in the bank to share, we'll do that to the 36 member food banks. This goes for getting nutritious food for those who need it. Yeah, absolutely. So food banks are supporting the most vulnerable in communities across the province, and they're both purchasing food and having food donated so that the hampers that they hand out are packed with nutrition. You also offer some education programs. Outline that for me. We do here at the Saskatoon Food Bank. We have work experience programs here, and we also have nutrition programming. Um, Many food banks are offering income tax preparation or other learning programs, resume building, those kinds of things that we know help folks who may be accessing our services to build some assets around, you know, finding work or or supporting their families. Lori O'Connor is the Executive Director of Food Banks of Saskatchewan. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. Cattle producers are facing serious drought issues in parts of British Columbia. The big story in B.C., of course, is the record number of wildfires. Those places not only destroy trays, but some are grazing pastures as well. Kevin Boone is the general manager of the B.C. Cattlemen's Association. He says the situation is more serious in central and southern regions of the province. We're in a different situation out here where the northern part of the province is a little better situation than the southern. But when we come uh, from mid-province south uh, in the interior, it has had no moisture basically since uh, early April, perhaps late March. Cold spring uh, really deterred the start of a lot of the uh, crops in the first place. And then the heat event that took place in early June, late May, created a real issue for us as well. Uh, When you start uh, getting temperatures up in the mid to high 50s, record highs of 49.5, it has just literally parched the grass that was there. So we're in an extremely drought-ridden position where hay production is way down, but more severely is the fire situation right now. Typically, we don't start fires till the end of July. This year, we had them burning uh, the end of June. We have to date burnt uh, 275,000 hectares, uh, well over half a million acres of land. Most of this is in our prime grasslands. And... So while we call them forest fires, they're wildfires that are taking out that grass. So not only are we down in what our winter supply is, we're now eating up our summer and winter supplies with fire, which will have 
no recovery uh, for it. So we're in a, a double whammy situation of losing our uh, summer pasture and much of our winter as we move forward. It's really extremely hard for us to predict where this is gonna come out. Right now we have uh, over 300 wildfires that are burning. Uh, we've had 1100 burn to date. A typical year, we won't have 300 burn. Uh, and here we are two weeks into it with over 1100 that uh, have burnt and, and 300 burning. So that aspect of it is gonna make it extremely difficult for us to predict how much shortages we'll have, but we know it will be severe. We are looking at opportunities for supplementing that in spots uh, such as from the lower mainland and whatnot, but uh, it, it's gonna be extremely difficult. The provincial government here has come forward and announced that there will be recovery assistance for fire in some form. It will probably emulate much of what it was in 2017. But here again, our biggest concern is going to be, can we save that uh, mother cow herd and our base herd here and carry on? Kevin Boone is the general manager of the BC Cattlemen's Association and was speaking on a conference call yesterday organized by the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. The prolonged heat and dry weather is taking a toll on crops in Alberta, some areas worse than others. The latest Alberta Crop Report says some areas received moisture in the form of thunderstorms last week, while many others did not. Crops and forages in most areas are in need of immediate moisture and cooler temperatures to make any recovery. Compared to the previous report that was issued in late June, provincial crop growing conditions dropped 32% and now rated 37% good to excellent, which is well below the provincial five-year average of 74% and the 10-year average of 73%. Crop growing condition ratings dropped for all regions in Alberta over the past two weeks, with the northeast region leading the way down 50%, followed by the peace region down 48%. Crop growing conditions are currently the best in the central region of the province, with 59% of all crops rated good to excellent. In all areas, yield potential could take a major hit at harvest late this summer. Market update brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. And brought to you by Sask Pork, Saskatchewan's growing and vibrant hog industry, creates economic spin-offs and career opportunities in our rural communities. Find out more. Visit saskpork.com. Grain prices were moving up in early trading. Canola gained $15.70 at $889.37. Lentils rose $16 at $767.50. Oats increased $20 at $236.53. Number one red spring wheat went up $4.31 at $395.48. The rest were unchanged. Durham 340.25, feed barley 254.65, flax 677.94, yellow peas 347.27, feed wheat 238.84. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, September spring wheat is up seven and a quarter cents at 9.31 a bushel. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. And now the latest quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of July 20th. Our last regular sale was on July 7th. D1 and D2 cows sold from 90 cents to a dollar. D3 cows sold from 80 cents to 90 cents. Counter cows sold from 60 cents to 80 cents. 
Have rats sold from a dollar five to a dollar twenty, and good butcher bulls sold from a dollar fifteen to a dollar twenty-eight. There weren't enough steers or heifers in any one weight break to establish an accurate price quotation, but what we did have sold well. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets the cattle and the prices too. And now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. Ham sold 7,000 hogs Monday, selling in a range of 243 to 258 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 6,400 head, selling in a range of 250 to 262 per CKG. Ham's number one sows this week are selling in the range of 59 to 66 cents per pound live weight. Ham's cash hog price today is mixed, and forward contract prices opened higher this morning. On Monday, the Canadian dollar was down 103 basis points, with the daily exchange rate at 1.2759. The Canadian dollar is currently trading at 78.44 cents U.S. U.S. cash markets are mixed to start the week, with negotiated prices seeing some weakness despite daily hog slaughters consistently running at the low end of expectations over the last few weeks. Prices paid by packers are frequently not being reported by the USDAs, so it has been more difficult to get a sense of whether packers are short on supplies. Hog supplies are likely being impacted by a PERS outbreak that has been widely reported, with the summer time frame typically being the period when the holes in production are identified. Pork belly prices led the pork cutout value higher to start this week, with the benchmark for wholesale pork prices recovering to levels not seen for more than a month. Data from food service and grocery sales shows exceptional demand, with food service sales recently putting in new highs without significantly reducing sales in grocery sector. A weaker Canadian dollar has added more than $10 per CKG to cash and forward prices over the last month, pressured by a recent trend amongst global investor to the U.S. dollar. So the SIG4 Brandon, SIG uh, BP4 plant, Moose Jaw, the price $250.43 per CKG. Coming up, the resource report. Now the resource report. Brought to you by the Prairie Co-op Grow Team. Fueling farms, feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton and Strasburg. The Saskatchewan government is pumping $13 million in new funding for Saskatchewan Polytechnique and the Saskatchewan Apprenticeship and Trade Certification Commission. The funding will support a variety of education and skills training. Programs include disability programming for adult learners with disabilities, training for newcomers to Canada, and a supportive care assistant program for adults interested in exploring an entry-level career in health care. This program helps fulfill a government commitment to hire 300 additional continuing care assistants. Other projects include kits for teachers to broaden student awareness of careers in the trades and a project for Indigenous apprentices to gain work experience while progressing towards certification by building tiny modular houses in local communities. On the markets, the TSX is up 221 points at 19,948. The Dow has risen 651 points at 34,613. Oil is up 67 cents at $67.02 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is up 21 hundredths of a cent at 78.64 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.